Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide. This episode is about Black History Month and I want to start this by saying the first man was created from the dust of the earth. Dirt generally isn't white. From brown you can get white, but from white you cannot get brown. And so what does that mean? It means that the first man that God created from the dust of the earth was brown. This is this is a fact. Um, Africa is mentioned in Genesis 2.13. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Cush uh, is, was an African nation, historically was located south of Egypt in today's southern Egypt and northern Sudan. So somewhere between southern Egypt and northern Sudan is the land of Cush. Um, this is historical this is biblical. This is true. Um, how does God feel about prejudice? Let's talk about Moses. Moses had an African wife, right? Miriam was kind of mocking that, making fun of that. Do you remember what happened to Miriam? She got struck with leprosy. God turned her white. <laughs> oh, I didn't know she got turned white. Yeah. White leprosy. That, Cause that's what happens. Like you get really, it's really gross. So God's like, Oh, you don't like black people. <laughs> <laughs> Turn you white. And she she had leprosy, and that was Moses's sister who was coming against Moses's black mm. wife. So, anytime you see the judgment of God immediately on something, it's because He doesn't like that thing, mm. and it's because the idea of it is so destructive that if He doesn't judge it, it will infect a whole people. And so Moses is, you know, he marries a black girl, an African girl. His sister is not into it. She mocks her in talking, you know, crazy, talking junk. And how does God feel about that? Well, what does he do? He strikes her with leprosy. She has to get taken outside of the camp. I think it was for like seven days. And then she got healed and stuff. So when you see the Lord act like that right away, it's because he doesn't like prejudice. He hates it because it's rooted in pride. And God hates pride, and pride is is super destructive. And so, when when we're t- when you talk about prejudice, usually the motivation of prejudice is either pride or fear, and both pride and fear are destructive to our humanity. And um, when we're motivated by pride, it leads to a fall. And pride is deceptive, and fear is deceptive, and Pride and fear just totally dehumanize people creating the image and likeness of God. And so he releases that judgment on Miriam. So that's how God feels about prejudice. He doesn't like it. Um, Joseph married an Egyptian uh, woman named Asenath. Um, Ephraim and Manasseh were both half African or Egyptian. The tribe of Benjamin, I believe it was from the land of Cush. Uh, Cush is, again, somewhere between... Uh, what was it? Southern um, Egypt and Sudan. northern, I think, northern Sudan, and so that's this is this is this is accurate. Like this is historically, geographically, biblically um, accurate. And so, let's talk about Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene was an African man 
who helped Jesus carry the cross. Jesus was beaten to the point where he literally couldn't carry the cross. He was getting ready to die on. And so God used an African man um, from North Africa to help him carry the cross. I mean, this this happened, right? Um, we'll talk about Mark. Mark, the, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, was actually an African bishop. Um, I'm not sure if it was Alexandria or, or I'm not sure exactly where, but for sure he was an African bishop. Um, yeah, I'm not sure of the city, but it was it was North Africa. Um, uh, the gospel, the gospel went to Ethiopia before it went to Rome. This is a this is in the biblical text in Acts the eighth chapter. The minister of finance, the eunuch, is reading Isaiah 53. He doesn't know what it is. Philip the evangelist runs up on him, opens the scripture to him. He gets saved. He gets baptized. And then Philip gets, you know, sucked into another, you know, city. You know, he gets taken, uh, translated. And so the gospel actually went to Africa before it went to Rome. So John Mark was Cyrene. Yeah. Part of Africa. Yeah. Africa. Cyrene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not Alexandria. Cyrene. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. And and is that the same place that the man who carried the cross is from? Uh, I'll, I'll take a look. I'm not sure. Let me know. Fact yeah. check that. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, real, I'm not Mr. Geography, but the point here, this is what we're getting at. Christianity is not the white man's religion. Christianity is not a white man's thing. In fact, the Bible is a brown book, actually. Um, number one, Simon of Cyrene. Yeah. Yep, same yep, place. Yep. Mm -hmm. so, so the guy, look at this, the guy who helps Jesus carry the cross and the guy who writes the gospel of Mark are from Cyrene, 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 which is North Africa, North Africa. Going back to the Bible, Christianity is not a white man's religion. And even from the very beginning of the formation of the nation of Israel, Africa was included. This is, this is just historically and biblically factual. So when people tell you, Christianity for the white man, yo, they don't actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> stop listening to people that don't know what they're talking about. Don't listen to hoteps. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen to crazy craziness that, that is purveying hate based on misunderstandings or uh, based on something that's not even actually true. So anyway, let's stick to what is true. The gospel goes to Ethiopia. Now, the gospel didn't go to, you know, some poor kid in a shack. The gospel went to the minister of finance who worked for the queen of Ethiopia. So the gospel went to the upper echelon of society in Africa. So it wasn't like we're bringing water filters to people in a shack. The gospel went to the top. And that's important to think about. Um, so the gospel actually and historically and biblically went to Ethiopia before it went to Rome. This is this is actually a fact. Mm -hmm. Paul was from Benjamin, uh, the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was from Cush. Again, that's Africa. Here is what I think. I, I could be wrong. This is what I think. Paul being beaten because they didn't see him as a Roman citizen may have been because his skin color was darker than we thought. Mm, 
Remember when he was uh, in prison, they, they beat him, threw him in prison. They were not allowed to treat a Roman citizen like that. And he actually used his Roman citizenship to appeal to Caesar because mm-hmm. his whole life ambition was to plant the flag of the lamb in the belly of the beast, oh, yeah. right? He wasn't concerned about his life or his freedom or his comfort. Mm-hmm. He wanted to preach the gospel in Rome to Caesar. He wanted to take the gospel to the very gates of hell. I mean, he wanted to take, I mean, that was his in- ambition. And so it wasn't like safety first. It was yeah. like, we're yeah. going to take this thing to the devil himself, mm-hmm. you know, and my thought is that they did not know he was a Roman citizen and they didn't assume he was a Roman mm-hmm. citizen because he was from Benjamin. He, his family was from Cush, which means he was probably darker in skin color mm-hmm. than the typical Roman citizen. Yeah. This is what I think. I'm not saying it's true. Yeah. This is based on the Bible and some deductive reasoning and why are they beating someone who's a Roman citizen? Maybe because he doesn't look like a Roman citizen. I mean, he was also known to not have a favorable appearance yeah for the platform he was carrying so maybe they beat him because he was ugly. Yeah. I'm just saying like maybe it all all ties in together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't look the part. Exactly. And, and he, that's exactly. actually yeah. really clear when yeah. he's talking to the church in Corinthians. Because yeah, like you want pause. tall, dark, and handsome, exactly. and I'm like yeah. beat up and short yeah. and brown, you know. Yeah. But but that's my thought. So ultimately, what I'm getting at is black history is a part of the history of Israel, which God made a covenant and he made promises to the patriarchs, he fulfilled that promise in Jesus. He, he used an African man to help carry the cross he was going to die on, and he used an African bishop to write the gospel of Mark. The gospel went to Ethiopia before it went to Rome, and a man from Benjamin, which was Cush, which was African, took the gospel all over the known world. So the idea that Christianity is a white man's thing, it's so historically and biblically incorrect. Don't buy into that. Yeah, that's it's it's crazy. So the so biblical history is black history. American history is black history. So when we're like, oh, we're celebrating Black History Month. No, black history is American history, and American history is black history and the reality is that black people built a lot of america i mean so that is historically true it's something that should be said it's something that should be understood and we should honor the contribution of black people to the church in america and to america as a nation uh, as a whole i want to just talk briefly about experience i had as a child and how I feel that one of the greatest contributions of anyone or anything in our country as a whole, in my opinion, is the black church. And I say that because for the first 13 years of our lives as Christians, we were one of the only white families in a predominantly black church that was led by a Cuban pastor pastor jason alvarez who i absolutely love i love him his his wife pastor gail i love their children i mean i just love the church i love the environment the warmth the love you know and i think one of the things that really stands out 
is the black experience in praise and in worship. And praise and worship is different when you're going through something. Mm. And when your life is difficult, like when you go to the black church, you don't have to tell people, okay, guys, it's time to worship the Lord. Okay, you got 30 things to be thankful for. Like the music comes on and people pour their heart and their soul into it. And I think that that is one of the richest contributions in America is to find a place where people can authentically worship and praise God where they are not preoccupied by how other people feel about what they're doing, but they feel the truth in what they're doing and they pour their soul and their body into it and and their strength into it in a way that I have not generally seen that in other contexts within the church in America. And I think that that is a really telling, powerful witness of something that is true. It's, It's one thing to worship and thank God when everything is good in your life, but it's really difficult when you're a single mother just trying to get by and you're struggling and you don't know what's going to happen with your children or with their future. And when you go and you worship and pray like your life depends on it, because it does, that's a different experience than I'm going to come give Jesus an hour or two, praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, church smile and kind of keep it moving. It's always different when people pour everything into something. Mm -hmm. And I think that generally one of the greatest contributions to America as a nation has been the black church. Yeah. I genuinely feel like I'm not into pandering. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have any white guilt. I don't feel bad because I'm white. I don't hate myself because I'm white. But I yeah. noticed that that was something that I experienced. And I'm really thankful to my parents because it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, we don't really fit in here. We're only, you know, we're a white family and there are all these black people. But we were so loved and we felt so welcomed. And the, the the just embrace that we felt and they felt and people who have known me since I was a kid, I'll walk in there and they'll hug me like it's like I'm hugging my mom or dad. Like mm-hmm. like it's like wow. And and I think that people who have suffered and responded to suffering in faith know how to love well. And they know how to worship. And I think that that has been one of the richest contributions to America as a whole. Now, if you want to talk about a purveyor of talent, you probably won't find a greater purveyor of talent than the black church mm-hmm. in America. Well, actually, um, you know, I love studying like music history and genres and um, jazz and blues. It actually was contribution to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Jazz and blues wouldn't exist if the Christian slaves didn't have their music and their singing, especially during their 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 season of you know, of that time, and that all contributed to the musical revolution as well. So yeah, yeah. and singing while you're suffering is yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. That's what hey, listen, up. you can sing when you get a breakthrough, mm-hmm. but can you sing when you're suffering? Yeah, well, can you sing when it's a sacrifice of praise? Mm-hmm. And I I think that that I can't even I don't have words to say how rich that experience is and even to say 
let's just say you're having a really difficult time, man. And I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, transparently say what I'm going to say. Let's say I'm having a really difficult day or week or month or year or 10 years. <laughs> Many times I would turn on Pastor Jason's worship and just worship the Lord mm. until the heaviness lifted until the disappointment lifted, until the frustration lifted. And I would just focus on the Lord until mm. whatever was right here mm. was gone. <laughs> that intimacy that he has with the Lord, he brings that from the private and secret place to the public place. But it was also brought forth with a people who can sing when they're suffering. Mm. And there's something real beautiful about that. And so when you, if you want to talk about like historically the Negro spirituals, yeah. the songs that were written, mm -hmm. I mean, to be able to love and thank Jesus when you're being whipped, yeah. beaten, taken advantage of. Yeah, your future robbed from you. I mean, yeah. see, that is really Christ-like. And that that is in, very impacting. I, I remember there was, you know, in the last few years, this, this feels like it's happening more. But there was a sick white kid who went into a black church and killed people. Yeah. It was like in the South. Yep. This is a terrible story. Yeah. The most powerful witness was when one of these old black church mothers was like, we forgive you. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, wait, excuse me? <laughs> like, what did you just do? This guy was motivated by hatred and death and murder. Mm -hmm. He came and literally killed people. Yeah. And they forgave him. And mercy triumphed over judgment. Yep. Like mercy is more powerful than judgment. Like mm -hmm. and, and and so there's this thing that if you can sing while you're suffering, you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, and your worship is real. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we're talking about black history, we're talking about church history, um, not only globally but also locally in America. And I just want to say that that experience is, is so rich. And I think it's really, really healthy for, let's say, white people mm -hmm. to go to a black church and experience it. I also think it's really healthy for black people to step into a white space and experience it. And I think more than any of that, it's good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that walking in love means we move toward people that are different. And I find that there's a, there's a much richer experience when we are genuinely interacting yeah. in a faithful and hopeful way with people who are different than us. Like that has been the joy of my life is to see the church that Jesus is building in the nations. Sometimes I go places, I don't even know what the heck they're saying. I'll just sit there and be crying like, oh, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> I have no idea what they're saying, you know. And, 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 but, I, but the Spirit bears witness mm -hmm. with our spirit yeah. that we are the children of God. Mm -hmm. and, and that's awesome, you know. And I think of Acts, it says that, you know, we all came from one blood. So this idea of we're different races is unbiblical. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Yeah. It's not scientifically true either because the blood of a black man could save a white man and the blood of a white man could save a black man, mm -hmm. but the blood of a dog can't save a man because it's a different species. Yeah. So because there's only one human race, 
um, the the word racism is an incorrect word. The word that we wanting to use is prejudice. Mm-hmm. But if you're a kingdom citizen, there's no space for prejudice in the kingdom because around the throne of God, there's people from every tribe, tongue, kindred, and nation. And that is the very dream of God. Yeah. You know, when, when John sees that in, in Revelation, he's seeing the very dreams of God. Mm-hmm. He's seeing what God is desiring and what will happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not like there's a white section of heaven, a black section of heaven. There's no segregation in the kingdom. Like, this is an important thing mm-hmm. to learn how to dwell together in unity, to love people who vote differently than you, to care for people, and to walk in love but not sacrifice truth for tolerance mm-hmm. because tolerance isn't loving. And so I, th- I think that what we're trying to convey to the listeners today is just the importance of learning to walk in love and learning to honor and value the contribution of another. Specifically, we're talking Black History Month. We're talking about the black contribution to the nation of Israel, uh, the church that Jesus is building, and America as a nation. And so I'm super grateful that I've got to be uh, a benefactor um, of that real, authentic singing, even while suffering. Yeah, I think on that point of, of the truth being the truth, even when you don't agree with it, is something that we can learn from the black church in America historically, despite the suffering, the enslavement, the brutality that has been enacted on the black community for centuries now um, in this land, they have always been at the forefront of struggles for justice for their own freedom, starting from abolition, you know, to civil rights movement, um, you know, even to to different, um, even labor struggles, you know, people just trying to get a a fair piece, um, fair pay, you know, for for work, um, and all of these other struggles for justice. And I think as the church confronts the issues of the sanctity of marriage um, being eroded upon, um, the just the insanity we're seeing um, being taught in our schools to children, the perversion that is becoming more and more pervasive, um, the issue of, of abortion, speaking up for um, a community of human beings that literally don't have a voice. I think there's a lot that we can take from that um, black radical tradition that has been married with the, the black evangelical and, and Christian tradition and really see um, that in order to model a life after Jesus, we have to, to act um, in fighting for justice and speaking the truth even when it's not popular and in really uh, bringing righteousness wherever we go in terms of how we act, how we move, how we vote, and really just what we do. One thing that I've learned coming to Rescue Church that pastor says all the time that I that I really love because it speaks to my personal experience, um, especially coming from a a political um, tendency that was super black radical, like that's where I came from. And um, 
he says that, uh, and, and this is quoting scripture, that God sits on a throne of righteousness and justice. And you can't have righteousness without justice. You can't have justice without righteousness. And I think um, the black church historically has um, moved with a lot of boldness um, in that sphere to confront the biggest issues of um, injustice um, in this time. And while we still see a lot of injustice um, in this particular time, I think that righteousness issue is something that's being so perverted where we're seeing things that are wrong be called right and right be called wrong. So that's what really inspires me. Um, there's um, this uh, theologian who um, was on a doing like a podcast sort of thing with N.T. Wright. That's, um, you know, a really um, incredible New Testament theologian that I really look up to and, and study a lot of his work and writings. But um, his his counterpart is um, an author and associate professor of the New Testament. His name is um, Dr. Esau, Esau McCauley. McCauley. Yeah, yeah I, I really want to, I was doing a little bit of research today and I really want to dig more into his work. But um, one thing that he said in this sort of, um, it was kind of like a, a YouTube live panel with N.T. Wright and another scholar. Um, and he said that the African American Christian tradition is closely linked to social action, um, and he was comparing that to white evangel evangelism, and it, it seems offering a little bit of a critique of, of that um, sort of a tendency in the church and saying that it's been um, black folks in America in the church who have been, um, you know, at the front lines of all these struggles, um, and not just for their own, you know, freedom and basic human rights, but but uh, for others as well. So I just want to, you know, encourage folks to continue to um, pick up their cross um, in, in really speaking the truth, even in a time where um, basic ideas ideas of morality and right or wrong or, or being contested, even basic tenets of, of truth, <laughs> human biology, um, is being debated um, in the sanctity of life. Um, we can just go on about that, but that's what really encourages me coming out of this conversation um, and, and specifically in the context of, of being in the United States. So happy Black History Month there. Let's pick up our cross and and really um, take after um, our Savior Jesus who lived a life of, of justice and righteousness and, and wasn't afraid to turn over some tables and speak truth to power. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.